Greetings, cultivators of the future. You are currently tuned in to Aster Education. I am your host and facilitator, as always, Robert Astwood. And as always, of course, I'm super glad you guys are here. Uh, I, I really like when you guys join. And, you know, I want to I want to really make something clear. You know, before we get started, uh, the reason let me reemphasize like the reason I, I even do this, you know, I want to build a conversation, you know, start a conversation where you all, you know, all of us together form a union, you know, a joint kind of mastermind group, <laughs> if you will, uh, in which we all develop new ideas, build on what we already know as teachers, educators, principals, um, faculty members, any education stakeholder, parents, and also students as well. We need to work together to ensure that our future is a more effective one, a more sustainable, uh, you know, anti-racist and one oriented towards like harmony and really allowing people to become their full selves, listen to that inner intuition and, you know, really just harness their abilities that they're meant to, you know, living up to their full potential. So that's, I know, I guess a really long-winded way of saying, please join the conversation. Please submit your ideas, your thoughts, uh, inquiries, etc. You can contact me at aster.educationr1 at gmail.com, or you can reach me at Twitter. Send me those tweets. Tweet me. Tweet me at aster underscore education. Alrighty. So let's get this party started, shall we? Now, as usual, I want you guys to send me your ideas, thoughts, methods, anything that you have on learning. Uh, I really want to add to the pool of ideas and, you know, maybe all together, like we can come up with something that we haven't thought of, you know, and create this eclectic approach that, again, really supports like the development of the whole person and, you know, really creates an interdependent environment. You know, we want to create an environment where we're all working together, relying on each other and not just being individual. You know, America really focused on, on the individual and, you know, it's good for us to have that autonomy, but at the same time, we do need to ensure that we're caring about each other. Like one of the things I think uh, education, like the new core curriculum that I'm trying to forge, right. That I want us to build together. Um, I think it should be founded on ideas of, you know, humanization and, you know, altruism. Um, the idea that or, or intelligence is natural, you know, it's not like something that's created or something that is manufactured is a better way to put it, you know? So really creating more space for more space to be experienced. <laughs> As always, I'm going on a super long tangent. Let's get back on track. So sense learning. This is the first type of learning that I, you know, just thought of uh, like when I first conceived, hey, what's learning? Like what is learning involved? Like how do we learn? So using our senses to gain intelligence about the world around us is of course a staple method of acquiring knowledge. This method is also known as empiricism. So for any of you guys that are into philosophy, you know, a lot of philosophers believe in this kind of sense data. Sense learning is a foundation needed to actualize our perception of reality. 
So if sense learning didn't exist, our experience of the world would be ineffable, right? What would we be able to perceive if we couldn't perceive the world, right? And this actually brings me to a book uh, on this very topic on consciousness. I know this is a big topic in you know science and philosophy as well. Uh, is consciousness, like how is consciousness actualized? And this book is actually entitled Out of Our Heads by Alva Noy. Definitely read it. It's it's a great read. I read it in college. It was it was an awesome experience. And it really like helps you to, to see like, hey, like what are we really going to be aware of if we don't have our physical tools to to do so, you know? So definitely check that one out. So with this method of sense knowledge or sense learning, we first must observe the world and the information being displayed to us via the usage of our senses. Once we observe the world through our senses, we digest the information and use that data in reference to something else. So we draw connections. So from this, it follows that without our senses, it's not gonna be possible for us to retain or absorb any details from our experience. The retention of this information aids in creating a frame of reference for the learner. However, despite the importance of the senses in the actualization of learning and our awareness of the world, the senses can also mislead the learner and sometimes cause them to store inaccurate information in their minds. Just think about that time when you have that social blunder, you're walking down the street, you think you see somebody that you know, you tap them on the shoulder just to turn around and they are some (laughs) complete random stranger, right? Since sense learning involves gaining information in reference to something else, It follows that this method of learning deals with drawing connections between what is perceived and the ideas attributed to that given phenomenon. But of course, we're going to have to be aware because our senses, unfortunately, can't always be trusted. So just be circumspect. So let's talk about the drawing connections. This is a really big point in, in learning, in the concept of learning. The first point here is the role of direct experience. Suppose, prior to your knowledge of what you think a house looks like, you are only told about a house via words. You are informed on its various functions, including sleep, shelter, food, and hygiene. Now, if you absorb and retain this information on the house, right, can you say that you learned what a house is? Despite not having a personal experience of the house, or, you know, even seeing what it actually looks like, can you truly understand a house based on a theory alone? Well, if you say that learning is the absorption and retention of information, then yeah, of course, you can say you learned theoretically about the house, but this knowledge of the house is still inchoate. Although you have learned about what a house is and of its function, you still don't have a visual representation or any immediate personal experience of the house. Your understanding of the house is incomplete if you've never been in it and only possess a theoretical awareness of it. See, this is what happens in schools. A lot of the times we merely possess a a theoretical understanding, you know, not some kind of like full, direct, firsthand experience It's always some kind of secondhand, thirdhand, uh, you know, we don't really do it ourselves. You have nothing. And then, then of course, the problem, right, is that you have nothing to relate that information back to. And therefore, you have an imperfect comprehension of that thing. It doesn't truly resonate with you. 
So to make our understanding of a house more detailed, of course, it would be beneficial to learn not only about the functions of a house, but also to receive a visual depiction of that house. To go a step even further, your knowledge of the house would be stronger if, of course, you were standing inside of it. What's more, if you begin to live in that house, guess what? You're going to start to learn even more about it and what's involved in it because you're doing, you're experiencing it directly firsthand. Simply put, there are varying degrees to which one can know something. But let's take a couple steps back to when we said that, hey, we never know what the house was and we only learned about it theoretically. It is important to learn about the functions as well as the visuals of the house because this is how drawing connections work. If you had never known or experienced a house before and you were told of a few of its functions, you would want to know how it looks in action. After learning about the house, it would help to see pictures of its physical appearance. This aids in the process of drawing connections between the depiction of the house and its various functions and qualities. Now, of course, whenever you see the house in your experience, you'd be able to relate those learned ideas back to the appearance. Relate experience to appearance, I like that one. This process of drawing connections between ideas in our mind and sense data in the outside world is what helps us to concretize understanding and allows us to gain practical comprehension of anything. A further component of drawing connections is comparing new information with items already known. This aids in the retention of new concepts. Take for instance, you have strong knowledge on what a house is, and now you're learning about a cabin. You're exposed to the description of the cabin, and then you're told about its function. You hear that the cabin is an area for you to sleep in, eat meals, take care of personal hygiene, and then almost automatically you're like, oh, wait a minute, that kind of sounds like a house. Why? Because you're relating the new ideas to things that you already know in order to make it easier to retain the new knowledge. Hence, the importance of drawing connections in relation to sense learning is the fact that these mental links aid in grasping new concepts. To further illustrate this notion, Consider what is involved with augmenting one's vocabulary. When you first hear of any advanced word, you know, like any of those big words that your teachers used to throw out at you. I know I used to have a teacher. He used this word, um, erudite. And I was like, what? What does that mean? <laughs> right? So let's say it's the word erudite. Unless we can deduce what it means through contextual clues, it's not going to make any sense to you. You're not going to know what the word erudite means. It has no significance or relevance to you in any way. This irrelevance and displacement is so apparent to you because you have no experience of the word. In order to gain some modicum of comprehension, you have to ask the user of the word to use it in a different sentence. You know, like, come on, give me some alternate ways of understanding this thing. You know, give me some context, right? If that method is unsuccessful, you could maybe ask them for some synonyms for the word, you know, again, to try and build some kind of anchor, establish some kind of anchor for the word, some kind of context. This is a prime instance of drawing connections because it relies on current knowledge as a frame of reference for attaining new information. Again, an anchor. By making a connection between a known word and a new word, we are able to gain a practical comprehension of that word and then add it to our vocabulary. See, the thing in public schools or, you know, in mainstream schooling or the neoliberalistic Neoliberalistic, is that how I say it? I always can I always mess that, that word up. But in that frame of thought, there's a heavy focus on production, on memorization, on competition, 
on you know ranking on things that are irrelevant things that are not focused on self-improvement interdependence and you know building self-confidence you know those kinds of things leadership so what we really want to focus on is you know strengthening students abilities to draw connections and their ability to apply what they know you know not just learn things just to know them but to actually use them effectively and often you know you want to use them daily you want to actually use these things uh, how are they going to benefit my skill set and help me to help other people right how can i draw connections in that way so that's one of the, the things that i'm thinking about when i'm thinking of you know of like why am i even bringing up of drawing connections you know that's the importance of drawing connections and learning for learners to be able to do things such as that another thing is we want to add experiences so like, like like going back to the word erudite like if you don't know what that word means it's going to just have it's going to be a blank cloud right it's not going to mean anything you're going to want to attach some kind of not ideas only to it but experiences to it because then once you attach experiences to it guess what you attach feelings to it so that's going to make you remember it even easier you know even better even more um this is kind of also a little bit of what, what mnemonic devices to do as well uh they they use these really strident or maybe not strident is the right word um can you say like like outlandish images or things that really stand out right or poignant images as well to really stick things out in your memory so to make it so that way you know it you know you're not really remembering it that's a big thing that i like to focus on you know knowing not remembering if we can teach learners how to do that like we would be on the right track in my opinion of course all right guys that's all i've got for you today next episode we'll be talking about vicarious learning and trial and error so stay tuned for that also guys things are really starting to heat up on twitter uh give me a follow at aster underscore education i'm posting up brand new ideas you know just different concepts on learning when you guys go ahead and follow me you'll find out what i'm talking about also be sure to check out my YouTube channel, Aster Education, and uh, check out the Aster Show. We've been doing different interviews with different professors that teaches college, and I'm going to start branching out to different schools as well. So stay tuned for that. All right, educators, stay cultivating.